0: Welcome to the Calvary Assembly podcast with weekly messages from Calvary Assembly of God Church in Lexington, Nebraska. You can find out more online at lexag.org and on Facebook at Calvary Assembly Lex. Thanks for listening. Our missionary this morning has been a friend of our church for, whew, man, a long time. We've been... Yeah. <laughs> He's a very young man that's been doing this. Yeah. Uh, Steve Shoup's been with us for a long time. He does. Eng- I keep calling it emerge. Emerge is a different mystery. Engage, uh, connecting students with God's will for their lives. And he'll share about how he does that. But they help students get connected with missionaries and, and do trips. And we're so thankful that they've been faithful because, man, we're seeing missionaries leaving the field a lot a lot at a high rate and uh, we're so thankful for missionaries that stay the course and do the work so uh would you give a big calvary welcome this morning missionary steve shoop (laughs) Blushing. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like I should be blushing. I also feel old right now. Is um, my my summer is catching up with me, and someday, someday I'm gonna have a knee replacement. And uh, I was telling Pastor this morning that it's just it's it just doesn't seem right that I'm 64 years old and. Um, I've never spent a night in a hospital and I've never broke a bone in my body and so to to do that on purpose just seems wrong, right? <laughs> I've I've been thrown from horses, I've done all that kind of stuff, motorcycle wrecks, I've got scars all over me but never broken never a night in the hospital and then to do it on purpose but i'm getting to a point now where where i'm walking like an old man and it bugs me because i'm not an old man i mean pastor rex made it sound like i was an old man but i happen to have a seven-year-old daughter a 10-year-old daughter and a 16-year-old son how old can i be right doesn't that make sense kenny Where'd Kenny go? Did he leave? There he is over there. Kenny, you know what we forgot to do on loading up videos? We forgot to put a slide in of my family. I totally spaced on that. That that might be an old, old moment too. So I should have have done that. But it's the same wife. So you've met her. Um, But you probably haven't met my, maybe my son, but he would have been little the last time we were here. And um, then we've adopted two little girls out of foster care, uh, Grace and Bella, and they, (laughs) it's Grace and Bella. It takes a lot of grace for Grace, and Bella is is just that Grace is uh, a lover of all people. We've got to keep a a rope on her at Walmart uh, to make sure she doesn't, like, there's some people at Walmart she shouldn't talk to. And, but she doesn't. She hasn't discerned that yet. And so she's friends to everybody. Grace wakes up in the morning talking, talks all day, goes to bed at night talking, and talks in her sleep. That is Grace. Um, just a, she only has two emotions. She's either really happy or she's on the floor crying. So uh, it, it's just Grace, you know. She's she's that kind of young lady. She's gonna she's gonna be a preacher. I'm pretty sure she's gonna change the world. Um, Bella is uh, a little more quiet. Uh, she's seven, uh, does just anything and everything that her big sister wants to do. That's her. Oh, look at there. Well, there you go. Isn't that a good looking family? I really, my wife really adds to that. Um, and then my son is 16 and a half. Uh, he's taken driver's ed. Uh, he could go take his test. Pastor Rex and I were talking about this is, but he just doesn't really want to. I'm just going, I was 13 when I bought my first car. And, and I was, I told Pastor I took the hay truck. I grew up on a farm in eastern Washington State. And I took the hay truck to go take my driver's test at 9 o'clock because there were no other cars available. But I wanted my driver's license. I got a 99 on the test because, because the uh, test examiner told me that when I made a right-hand turn, I put my mirror over the yellow line. I wanted to, I didn't do it, but the only thought going, dude, I just parallel parked a hay truck and you're going to dock me one point for putting a mirror over the line. And I just, but it is what it is. I was so, I just wanted to drive. And my son just has no desire to, he, he likes being chauffeured around, but I, I, I love, I, I love my son. I love my family. I love my wife. Um, I will tell you this. Uh, going into COVID, we engage this program that we lead. We take 18-year-old high school students. Uh, They graduate from high school, and we ask them to give God the first year of their adult life. I'm not really sure if you can find chapter and verse that tells me I'm wrong. I really think there's these guys that walk around in white shirts, black pants, little badge right here that they give the first two years out of, out of high school and, and they keep about 70% of their students after they graduate from high school. We're losing about 80% of our young people graduate from high school and walk away from the kingdom. Now, they'll show back up in their mid-30s, about 65% show back up in their mid-30s, but Pastor Rex, your job is cut out from that point on because their life is a mess They've probably had multiple relationships. They have abuse problems that they're going to deal with. They're, they're just a challenge from then on. And I just go, what would it look like in a world if we created this culture where we raise children thinking the most important thing in their life, more than sports, more than education, more than anything, was, was Jesus, and making him known. What if their purpose was to love God, to love others, to make him known? I, uh, going into COVID, we were doing really well. Um, we had students serving all over the globe. COVID hit, and in ten days, we brought everybody home. And then for the next two and a half years, I never got out of gym shorts and and t-shirts. I had nothing to do. I was literally. Just nothing to do. I couldn't preach in churches because churches weren't open. And they definitely weren't accepting missionaries or strangers to come um, if I could even find a flight to get on. That type of thing. Um, we couldn't recruit because we couldn't send students anywhere. It was, it was a weird day and time. You guys all lived through it. Pre-COVID, Engage was thriving, but even as thriving, one of the things that we saw was that for every five students we would recruit, four were being stopped by parents saying, not my kid. My kid needs to pursue the American dream. Can I challenge you this morning on a couple things? One is the American dream. I love America believe me every time I entered the country from traveling outside I would sing the Star Spangled Banner I'm proud to be an American but the American dream there's not much about that that Jesus looks at and goes yeah that's it 2.5 kids 4,000 square foot home six-figure salary uh, big 401k all that what part of that does Jesus look at and go yeah exactly where does take up your cross and follow me? Give everything away that you might make me known to, to sacrifice all to move that forward. Where does that fit? Where does, can you give me chapter and verse on that? Because there's not a lot of that. One of the, that's one of the challenges that we face with, with students and with parents is trying to get parents to understand that this is a good thing to anchor their children in Jesus first and then let the li- li- life happen after that. I feel like that's really uh, our message with Engage is to engage a generation with the good news of Jesus Christ and make it primary in their life. Not every kid is called to be a missionary. Not every student is called to be a pastor. But every person that claims Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is called to make disciples. And if we don't put them on that track, then then we get 80% walking away. That's the result. It's one of the challenges we face. One of the, the things that I have done uh, since and because of COVID, I'm, I'm at home, I had convinced AGWM down in Springfield that the best thing that we could do to change this culture was to go and change a culture in, a, in an area that I knew. So I begged them to let me go back to Washington State, that's my sending district, and I asked them if I could go back and help change the culture that allowed... And created an environment where students really gave Jesus the first benefit, saying, God, hear my, use me. I find it interesting that I was telling the students this morning, in Matthew 9.38, Jesus enters Lexington. Okay? He's standing on top of the grain silo, overlooking the whole city, you can see everything, right? It's not like you have a lot of mountains blocking stuff. Okay, I won't pick on you too much, but Every time I come, <laughs> come into Nebraska, I go, wow, that, it's just really flat. And I'm from, I'm, I live uh, right now in Spokane, Washington, which is butted up right against the Rocky Mountains. And so, you know, out my back window, I see these things just skyscrapering up there. And I, I fly in here and I go, wow, that's, that's flat. So anyways, on top of the grain silo, Jesus looking over your city. And he says, look at those people. They're lost. They're confused. They're sheep without shepherd. Is that your city? I don't know. Maybe I'm reading it wrong. Are they lost? Are they confused? Is there a drug culture in Lexington? Is there an abuse culture in Lexington? You're on on I-70. There's no way that you don't have a trafficking problem because you're right on the freeway. That means there are people being trafficked. There are young ladies who are, their lives are being destroyed and they're passing right through Lexington. It's the culture. It's the people that we live with. It's, the, it's, it's Satan at its finest right now. If, I don't know if at his finest is, at his worst, but he is being glorified through all of this. You have drugs that pass through your city because you're, you're on a major thoroughfare. And Jesus looks at your city and says, pray the Lord of the harvest, send workers. That's the answer to the lost, the confused, the sheep without shepherds. That's his answer. He says, pray and ask God to send workers. What I find interesting there, and I told the students this morning, is that rolls into Matthew 10.1. And in Matthew 10.1, Jesus introduces 12 guys. These 12 guys are 15 to 25 years old. And he goes, first time he's talking to me, he says, okay, boys, let's go change the world. He tells them to do five things. He he, He says, tell them the kingdom of God is coming. That's our job. How will they know unless they're told? How will they be told unless they're sent? Beautiful are the feet of them that bring good news. That's to all of us. It's not just to Pastor Rex. It's not just to Pastor Kenny. It's not just to me. It's not just to to the motorcycle gangs that, that, that travel this globe preaching Jesus up in Sturgis or wherever they go. It's all of us. Who in here has accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Raise your hand. Who in here is commanded to make disciples? Same hands should go up. Same hands got to go up because those were Jesus' words. Jesus says in Matthew 22, here's the purpose that all of you breathe. Why you're breathing air and Jesus is the Lord of your life is to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love others as you love yourself. To love God, to love others. And then the last thing he says as he's leaving the planet. Jesus says, the last thing, he's, he's taken up into the clouds after this. He says, as you're going, make disciples. It's not, as you're going, Pastor Rex, you make disciples. The rest of you, it's Pastor Rex's job. Do you see Jesus be anything but, but, but inclusive there? He's inclusive of all, that, all of you that raised your hand. Your job is to go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and know that He's with you always. I've been, I've been part of your community long enough, I'm going to meddle a little bit. Are we a Pentecostal church? We believe in the second act of the Holy Spirit. The first act draws all men unto, unto Jesus, right? That's what the Holy Spirit is, is sent to do, to draw men unto, unto Jesus, right? The second act, the empowerment act, God, said, God told the disciples, wait here and I'll send the, the, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit came so that we could speak in tongues, right? That's sarcastic. It's not. I'm testing your Bible skills. Is that why he was sent? Was it sent so that you got goosebumps during worship? No. Jesus is really clear in Acts 1.8, the one and only purpose of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's other things that take place. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not burning up your theology here. I'm just saying he's sending the Holy Spirit with one thing in mind, is that so that you can be empowered to be his witness. One of the things that has always troubled me, not always, but as a pastor that has troubled me is arguments I get in with people going, well, this is the gift of the Holy Spirit. I get this and I get that. And yet, those people who say they've been baptized in the, in the Holy Spirit, that second work of the Holy Spirit, but have never shared their faith in the last 10 or 15 years, I'm going, hold it. If he sent so you can be witnesses and you're not a witness, how is he really working in you? It's just a question. Pastor, I'm not trying to stir things up, but I'm kind of stirring things up. If we're Pentecostal, we got to be sharing our faith. That's the reason that second work has taken place. There's all kinds of things that are going to go. I'm not arguing that the initial evidence being the Baptist or being speaking in tongues. I'm not arguing. Uh, uh, Corinthians 12, I'm, not, I'm, I'm arguing the fact that if the Spirit of God is working in you, that second act, that, that empowerment, you better, be making, you better be witnessing to people, making disciples, because that's why he was sent. It wasn't so that we could sit here and get warm fuzzies during worship. Do we get warm fuzzies during worship? Sure, the Holy Spirit's working in us, but that's not why he was sent. He was sent because we live in a city that is lost and dying, and they need Jesus more than they've ever needed. Jesus is the answer. And (laughs) when I get to heaven, I'm going to have this talk with God and go, Really, we're your best choice to deliver the best message into the world? Because He's left it to us, (laughs) He picked us. To carry the good news of Jesus Christ to the lost and dying of this world. And we suck at it. We're embarrassed to share. We don't have the time. I don't know. And, and we're, he, he goes, okay, you don't need to know anything. I'll send the Spirit and he'll do it for you. Just be willing to do it. That's all he asks is a willing heart. Understand this can becomes a passion with me because I start working with young people and I I I, I get to that point where every for every five, four or stop by by people who are, who think they have the best interests of their child at heart, when I know the best interest for their child is to say yes to Jesus. That's what will change their life. That will that's what will put them on a path that the rest of their life they serve Jesus. But to emphasize the things of this world and put that as a priority over God, it gets us in trouble. And we continue to be in trouble. We live in a day and time where in the assemblies of God, one of the greatest mission-sending organizations in the world, whether it's U.S. missions or whether it's foreign missions, that's what we've been about. But we're living in a day and time where our numbers are dwindling to the point that we can't even keep up with population growth anymore. (laughs) In the next year, 70% of the missionaries serving in the Assemblies of God will reach retirement age. And we don't have replacements for them. That's just an AGWM. Brother, USM is probably the same way. We don't have enough people. Jesus says the answer is workers. And he says, I'll send my spirit so that you can tell them that he's coming back. He says to those those 12 guys here, tell them the kingdom of heaven is coming. And then go heal the sick and raise the dead and cleanse the leper and cast out demons. You can't do any of that on your own. Go ahead and try. You might fall into that whole running naked through the streets like the son of Sceva thing. But empowered of God, you can change the world. The Spirit of God enabling you to do what he wants you to do, what is greater than that? God wants to use you to change the world today. He wants to use your students, your children to change the world today. I have a video I'd like to show you real quick. Most of that was filmed in Panama City, Panama. Um, two weeks ago, I was down there, um, and we, and I say we, the missionary, Garrett and Tara Kenyon, um, we spend a year with students recruiting, going into public school, and the beauty of, of working in a Latin American culture is we can go into the public, public school. This is public school. It's not Christian school. It's not Catholic school. It's public school, but because of the strong Catholic background, um, we can go into that school. We can we can share a message of hope. We ask students four questions. We did. We were doing um, eight of these. Uh, classrooms eight to nine a day. We'd do the presentation, we'd ask four questions. We'd go, in the last week, have you had, um, we'd make the student lay, uh, put their head on the table so nobody could see, look, was looking around. We'd ask them these four questions. Um, in the last week, have you had any suicidal thoughts or attempts? In a class of 30, we'd have four or five students raise their hand, which is congruent with, with culture here in the U.S. The, 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 one of the fastest-growing uh, causes of death among teenagers is suicide. The fastest-growing population group between 10 and 12 years old, uh, the fastest-growing number in suicide is between 10 and 12 years old. What 10-year-old thinks that their life isn't worth living at 10 years old? Moms and dads, brothers and sisters, we need to share an answer that is bigger and greater than what the world is producing in their life. We've got the answer. But kids are killing themselves because they can't find the answer. And how do they find the answer unless somebody tells them? And how does somebody tell them unless they're willing to go? Somebody's got to go. That's us. We're commissioned to go. In Panama, we would do these, ra- these classrooms. We'd ask the four questions, have you thought suicide? Three, four, five would raise their hand. The next question is, in the, in the last week, have you been hit or abused physically? 11, 12 was the average. Half the class. We'd ask, have you seen your parents hit or abused? About the same thing, 11, 12. And understand, do the studies. Barna says those numbers are congruent with the U.S. It's what happens here, it's happening there too. The final answer we or question we would ask is, if you had, if you were asked today, and we're asking, so I always thought it was a weird way of phrasing it, but it's how we phrased it. What would your future look like? Do you have hope for the future? One, maybe two kids would raise their hand. And that would be the same with our students here in the U.S. is they don't have a hope for the future. They don't know what their future looks like. That's got to weigh heavy on us, church. We have not done a good job of of, of declaring the hope of Jesus to a lost and dying world. Satan is winning in his mes- delivery of his message. They're walking around hopeless, lost and confused, like a sheep without shepherds. We have a mission before us. And God is willing to empower us to do it. He's not looking for the most skilled and most talented. These twelve guys that he's speaking to in 101, in Matthew 101, are are people that if they walked in the door, Pastor Rex would sign security, assigned security set with them. These weren't the sharpest pencils in the box. These weren't good guys. They flunked out of Bible school. Why were they 15 and not, in a, not walking alongside of a rabbi? Because they couldn't handle it. They got kicked out. That was a culture. If they were sharp, they would be walking with a rabbi, but they weren't. Jesus picked up these guys because they brought nothing to the table. All they had was to say yes to Jesus. And that's a great message to us this morning. Some of us sit here going, well, I I can I can't I can't sit in front of people like you're doing. I can't share my faith. I don't know how, I don't Jesus doesn't look at any of that. One of the hardest things I've ever done in my life was learn Spanish. Absolutely painful. Painful. I told the students this morning is, I've been a Christian, I've always gone to church. I was less than six days old when I attended my first church service. And because of COVID and watching two or three services a Sunday, I've made up for any that I missed. I don't think I've ever missed a Sunday. I've I've just always loved Jesus, gone to church. It's what I do, whether I'm on the road or not. And not only only as a, a young man, that's what I did. But I grew up thinking I wanted to be a truck driver. Long-haul truck driver like my dad. That didn't work out. (coughs) God got a hold of my life, put me on a different path. I became a youth pastor. A youth pastor turned into a missionary. A missionary turned into going to be a missionary in Latin America. I might mention that in high school, I flunked English all four years in a row. I I never really saw a purpose in what nouns, verbs, and pronouns were. Who cared? I was going to be driving a truck. I didn't really care. I wanted to sign my paycheck and be able to talk CB language. Uh, language. That was it. So I didn't, I, didn't really, um, I didn't really worry about English. Fast forward that, all of a sudden I become a pastor. I become a missionary. English still not my strongest suit. Um, the first day of language school, uh, they, they begin to speak to us, but they're only speaking in Spanish. The only Spanish I knew was taco burrito, um, C, no, and past there I was pretty well done. Uh, But they only wanted to talk to me in Spanish. Not good. I got a week into the language school and the head of the language school came to me and said, Steve, we have a special class just for you. I'm 38 years old and... you know, I'm the only one that is dragging behind All everybody else in my class, including my wife, who turns out to be a superstar language learner. Just Can I just tell you how hard that is on, on the husband going, she leads the class, I'm the bottom of the class. We book in the class, you know? And uh, by six months in, she's actually translating for new students coming in. That's how good. She is a gifted language learner, but... Not so much my gifting. I'm in this class with this lady who, I'm 38 years old, and this lady is trying to teach me, and if I said something wrong, she had a ruler in her hand, and she would try to slap my hand. 38 years old, being treated like I'm in kindergarten. Wasn't pretty. I was glad that we had gone through the age of social promotion and no kid left behind, because Amy passed really well, and and she took me along with them. Okay, I got to go. No kid left behind. So uh, we get to Panama, and um, in Panama, we're we're there for about two weeks, and then we have this meeting with all of the important people, the general superintendent, the national youth director, the national uh, superintendent, all these people. There's 30 people in the room, and they're up there just excited that we're there to be with them, to help them. Okay? And they're explaining that they just need a little help. They were saying, Si tú puedes darnos un apoyo en las iglesias, si tú puedes darnos, puede enseñar clases en la colegio, si tú puedes darnos apoyo, hasta bien, qué maravilloso. They were saying, If you just need a little help, if you could give us help in the school, if you give us help in the school, teach us how to do youth ministry. Just a little help. I got excited. I wasn't necessarily this missionary who said, I want to be a missionary, fill a coffin, I'm moving to Panama, you'll never see me again. I was a missionary going, I don't want to go, I don't want to be, I like America, I like English, I want to stay here, but God here my I use me and he listened to me. He took me at my word and sent me to Panama. And so I, I was thinking that as fast as we could get the job done, the better and I could get home and life would be good. So when these guys started talking to me about this is all it takes, just a little help, uh, I, can, I can do that. They handed me the microphone. Big mistake. Handed me the microphone, and I start off down the path. Because I said, si tu necesitas pollo, yo puede comprar pollo. See, I didn't hear the word apoyo. apoyo. I heard the word pollo. Big difference between to help that's the that's the verb to help apoyar or pollo is cooked chicken so i thought they were saying all we need is cooked chicken and we can reach panama and i'm thinking i had just raised 50,000 dollars sitting in an account in springfield at to use at my discretion i'm going cooked chicken Chicken is like 50 cents a pound. We'll cause revival in Panama with $50,000 worth of chicken. Let's go buy chicken. And the problem is they gave me the microphone and I said that. I said, si tu necesitas pollo, vamos a comprar pollo. Yo puedo comprar mucho pollo y para comenzar la revival. Let's make it happen. Yeah, my wife is on this side of me, tugging at me, going, Steve, Steve, it's not poyo. It's ah, Help. They're asking for help, not cooked chicken. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much what they did, too. Um, just kind of laughed at the loser. And uh, I just, ha, 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 ha. And I went back home that night or that afternoon, and I went into my bedroom, and I just laid down on the bed and started weeping. I go, God... I can't even speak the language. Why am I here? I can't speak the language clear enough that even people that like me understand. Why am I here? I am a loser, God. I can't accomplish a thing. The Holy Spirit sweeps into that room, and I just feel its presence. And he says to me, he says, breathe. So i us all try that real quick. Everybody take, sit up straight for a moment. Take in a deep breath. Just go. Let it out. Do it again. The Holy Spirit just says, can you breathe, Steve? It's all I need from you is can you breathe? He doesn't ask me for talent. He doesn't ask me for skill. He wants people that can breathe. And you all just pass the test. Because you're breathing. He doesn't ask you to be talented. He doesn't ask you to be skilled. He'll use talents. He'll use skills. But these 12 guys had none. He just wanted somebody that could breathe. And you know what kind of relief that was for this young missionary? When I hear the Holy Spirit going, Steve, it doesn't matter that you can't speak the language. It doesn't matter skills. I just need a warm body. Will you be that warm body? You know what Lexington needs? It needs warm bodies who don't have to feel skilled, don't feel the pressure of of being super talented, just a warm body who will love God, who will love others, who will make him known. Can we show this next video? Please. Adventure. Um, right now, we take a public bus uh, for about 45. There, we have to take a public bus uh, for about 45 minutes, and from there, we take a moto taxi, and we have to then walk one kilometer in, and then we're at the church. College classes online. While at the same time, they can have a cross-cultural experience and be totally immersed into missions. Our number one focus, national church. This weekend, they went out and they helped their local church to reach a new community that hasn't been reached yet. It's amazing just to just to see how it all unfolds and how how people interact and how how throughout the world the different ways that people worship. You know, like just be able to like see how it all comes together in the bigger picture. Missions for so long has been, change the face of that. Let's let young people be missionaries. You know, the passion that young people can have, let's bring that to the mission field and let's, let's keep it here in the mission field for longer than a week, for longer than two weeks. It's going to be awesome to see the quality and the caliber of, of young people that, that are going to be going into missions full time. The person talking there, Brian, was a... Student with us in Mexico, and um, when he showed up, he didn't speak very little Spanish. Um, (laughs) He actually broke the rules because um, we can only take 18 year olds, and he was 17 by two weeks. He needed to wait two weeks, but he showed up not necessarily kind of fudging on his application because he wanted to start so bad. Um, Brian we would go out uh, and do outreaches in Guadalajara, Mexico. And we'd take our engaged students out and we'd send them out in threes into a community announcing an event we were doing in a park. And it was music, drama, um, puppets, all kinds of stuff like that, but we'd go out and invite them in. And Brian and two other students went out one direction and as they were walking, a young gal comes up to him, just a young girl, uh, going hey you need to come and, and pray for my mom you're one of those missionaries um, I've heard about you you know how to pray for people come and pray for my mom and Brian being 18 and not really comfortable in that role said no let me go get the missionary I have i I, I have my boss I'll, I'll go get him and the the young lady the young girl was quite insistent said no no you you need to come come pray for my mom she needs she needs prayer she's she, you need to come and help and she didn't speak English well And he didn't speak Spanish well, but between that, they figured out that they were going to go pray. And they went about a block away into this little hubble. And it was a tin roof, cardboard walls, one light bulb in the middle, dirt floor. And in the back corner on a piece of cardboard was this girl's mom who was, Brian says, obviously sick. From the smell, from the look, he goes, she's she's. Dying if she's not dead, and he says he starts to turn around and goes, "I need to go get the mission. Mich- I need to go get my boss and bring him over here. This, th- th- this, th- I need to go get help." He he was just without words, and the little girl was insistent, and she said, "No, no, you stay. You pray." So Brian Brian said he walks over to the woman puts his hand on her shoulder and says, in Jesus' name be healed, turned on his heel and ran out of the room and ran down to us. He freaked him out. He didn't share that part of the story till afterwards. But it was Brian's job that day to be the MC host what was going on. So he's up on the, the stage, the platform, and um, we're going through the thing, and I'm off to the side just making sure everything's working right. And Brian just freezes in the middle of the program, just freezes. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't do anything. I'm going, oh, no, he's, he's, he's freaked out. He's forgot his, the, the agenda. I go, puppets, in, introduce the puppets. We're doing puppets from the side. I'm going, puppets, puppets. And Brian doesn't, doesn't change, doesn't move, doesn't do anything. And I'm going, what is going on? And I look, and he's looking right down the, the middle of the road. We would sit up in the park that, that looked right down the main street of the town. And so I, 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 I lean out, and I look down, and coming down the road is this young girl with, with this woman. And as she got closer... The woman looks at Brian and my wife is standing there interpreting and the woman goes, "Are you the young man that prayed for me? Because I was dying and when you prayed, I want to know what changed that." She accepted Jesus that day because Brian, unable, incapable, unskilled, had the faith to believe in Jesus name be healed. Today, Brian's a missionary serving and changing the world because he believed that God does not look at people and go, oh, you're skilled, you're not, you're skilled, you're not. He just said, here am I, use me. We have a generation of young people looking to be used. Ask BLM, ask Antifa, ask just about any secular group that is going after our young people and empowering them, but the church doesn't. We have a tendency to look at them and go, wait until you've got a skill. My challenge to the young people today is you're ready. Lexington needs you. The world needs you to go out and make a difference. One last story, and I'll finish with this. As I was at a camp in Arizona, and it it had gone well. Thursday night, we were praying at the altar. Thursday night was Holy Spirit night, right? That's the way camps do it. We would prayed that students would receive the the baptism of Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues and that they would be empowered to go. And we were seeing this work at the altar. God was doing some really cool stuff at the altar. When in the back of the room, there's a commotion going on. There's hollering. There's whooping. There's just, there's just a big commotion going back there. So I'm, I make my way back there. What I didn't tell you was that I got a call from the DYD, the district youth, youth director, Um, The camp started on Monday and I got a call on Saturday going, hey, my director, my director, uh, something happened. He can't be here. I need you to come. Even though I, 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 I wasn't living in Arizona at the time, I'm not living in Arizona. He calls me and he goes, you're the only guy I know that can come and direct a camp without any because I've done it forever. And he goes, would you come and direct this camp? So I'm leading this camp, and there's this commotion in the back. And I thought, as the camp director, I need to go find out what the commotion is. So I go back there, and there are all these Apache Indian boys just whooping and hollering, just making a ruckus. I mean, they're they're making a ruckus. And I'm watching because this one little 12-year-old blonde-haired, blue-eyed boy is going around laying his hands on these. They're they're 17, 18-year-old Apache Indian boys, long black hair, definitely First Nation people, um, and this little blonde-haired, blue-eyed boy is laying hands on them and reading their mail, saying, God says this about you. The only thing is, when he's speaking that to them, he's speaking in perfect Apache. Perfect Apache. These Apache boys are listening to this blonde-haired, blue-eyed 12-year-old read their mail in perfect Apache, and that's just blowing them away. We had not reached these boys the whole week until that night when Jesus uses a 12-year-old, blonde-haired, blue-eyed kid to speak to some First Nation young men about how much he loved them and how much he wanted to change their life. This last October, for the first time ever in the history of the Assemblies of God, Latin America, the region Latin America, Latin America, Caribbean, LAC is what we call it, did not commission one new missionary to go to Latin America. Not one. The most populated city on the planet, Mexico City. And we didn't send one missionary to go there. Commission one missionary to go there. We live in a day and time where we as believers need to step up to the plate and say, here am I, use me. And he's not a respecter. All he's asking is, can you breathe? And if, if you will say, I, I'm breathing, he will use you. Like you use Brian, like you use this little blonde haired, blue eyed kid. Lexington will look different. Nebraska will look different. The world will look different because we empower people to go be Jesus.